Hey everybody, welcome to the X Report. I'm Raven X, and alongside me today, we got Big E, aka I just came up with a new name for you on my phone, Big E.T. Get it? Ethan Tate, E.T.? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's fine though. And uh, <laughs> Ethan, how you doing today, man? I'm alright, how are you? I'm, I'm tired, but you know, thugging it out. Speaking of thugging out, we got a cool show for you guys today. We are going to talk the Super Bowl because... It's the most bittersweet day of the year for football fans, the Super Bowl, where we crown the season's champion, but it also marks the end of a season. So we're going to break down the Super Bowl a bit. Uh, with regards to the NBA, we're going to talk if there should be an all-star game this year and possible trades that may take place at the deadline. And then we're going to close out the show recapping Royal Rumble, booking some returns for superstars, and it's going to be a fun show. Before we get to any of that, please should check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with the NFL. Now, I know I said we were going to talk all Super Bowl, but before we get to that, we got to give out NFL awards because the award show takes place tonight. Mind you, we're recording this Saturday, February 6th. So, Ethan, starting with Comeback Player of the Year, who would you give this award to? Being real, it can go to nobody other than Alex Smith, honestly. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I mean, Triumphant Story was a big played a big role in Washington making the playoffs. So, yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. Uh, all right, Coach of the Year. Now, for the longest, I was saying Ron Rivera, and the only reason why I'm changing my pick is because. Kevin Stefanski and his Browns did win a playoff game, made it to the second round, made it much further than everybody thought they would. So I'm going to give the nod to Stefanski of the Browns. I also am giving it to Kevin Stefanski. All right, defensive rookie of the year. It's obvious, Chase Young. Yeah, I'm going Chase Young too. Now, from up until like the last month of the season, it was definitely – more so up in the air because I love Jeremy Chin, and I feel like Jeremy Chin is definitely se- definitely second in the running. But, I mean, Chase Young, from what he did from a production standpoint, leadership standpoint, it's hard to go against him. Offensive Rookie of the Year, real talk, it's just a battle of the two Justins, Herbert or Jefferson. Thanks. I'm going Jefferson. Justin Herbert had a great year, but – the Chargers were still the Chargers. He and though he wasn't a reason why they would lose games, still though, offensive rookie of the year is just who was really pivotal for their teams. And I feel like the Minnesota Vikings would not have had the year that they had, would have not been as prolific of an offense that they had without Justin Jefferson. So I'm going Jay Jettis. I think it's gonna be our first disagreement. I'm going Herbert. Understandable. All right, most improved player of the year. I think this one is kind of easy, but we may go differently, but I think it's kind of easy. Most improved player. You want me to go? Yeah. Josh Allen. I mean, just the growth that he's had from a year ago to now is tremendous. And I think that one of the best attributes for a young player, especially a quarterback, is building on those mistakes that they made to become an overall better player. And that's what Josh Allen did this year and became a potential MVP candidate. So a lot of respect for what he did. Yeah, I got to go with Josh Allen. All right, now, Offensive Player of the Year. This is an obvious award. It's you. I know you're going to say, but. It's the king. It's Derrick Henry. Like, 
quite honestly, in my opinion, he really deserves to win MVP. But since everybody knows that the MVP award is basically who's the best quarterback award, he got to get offensive player to you. Yeah, I'm also going Derrick Henry for offensive player. I mean, running for 2K is not easy. Having multiple 200 rushing yard games is not easy, especially when defenses know you're coming and they still just cannot do anything about it. So, yeah, I think if it goes to anybody but Derrick Henry, it'll be a travesty. Defensive player of the year, though, I'm going T.J. Watt. I feel like he was in the running last year, but it did not go to him. It went to Stephon Gilmore, which was understandable. But, I mean, T.J. Watt is just consistently a great player. And though there are other great defensive players in the league, I think that it's about time that T.J. Watt gets that recognition for what he's been able to do. So, I know at the beginning of the season, I remember this, I called Miles Garrett. And, honestly, he was looking like he was going to win this award towards the beginning of the season. Then he got COVID. Then he got COVID and he fell off. But I'm also agreeing with you. I'm going TJ Watt. All right. Now, MVP, a.k.a. the quarterback award, I got to go Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, even if it wasn't just a quarterback award, I would go Aaron. I mean, he had the best year of his career at, what, 37, 38? Did so with not the best weapons around him. Had the best record in the NFC. I mean, I got to give a lot of props to Aaron. I know the season didn't end how he wanted it to, but, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was a bad man. He showed everybody just how bad he is. Yeah, I'm also going with Aaron Rodgers for everything that you said. Like, he was the, hands down, in my opinion, he was hands down the best player and affected his team winning the most. Oh, absolutely. Like, I feel like if you were to take Aaron Rodgers off of the Packers, they might be a playoff team, but I can see them being like an 8-8. Eight eight. I don't even see squeezing them as, into the playoffs. I don't even see them as a playoff team, honestly. Because I think that their defense is just good enough to get the job done. Devontae Adams is great, but besides him... Um, MVS is very inconsistent. Uh, Alan Lazard is a good receiver, but he's not a superstar. He wouldn't put up the numbers he would have without Aaron. Aaron Jones is great, but, I mean, a big reason why Aaron Jones is able to produce because everybody's so worried about what Rodgers is going to do. So, I think that, yeah, I think he impacts his team the most. So, in terms of value, I don't think it gets more valuable than Aaron Rodgers. But, all right, so let's go ahead talk Super Bowl. So I want to break it down into a few categories. First, we're going to do positional battles, which means we're going to look at each position and say which team has the advantage. We're going to pick which which the X factor for each team, who, if they have a big game, can really turn the tide of the game, a broad prediction for the overall Super Bowl, and then we're going to finish predicting the Super Bowl winner and the scores. So let's go ahead and start off with the positional battle. Starting with quarterback, who has the better quarterback between the Chiefs and the Patriots? I mean, not Patriots, the Bucks. I'm going to say Chiefs. I know that might be a little shocking, but right now I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes over Brady. I, I'll be completely honest. I'll make a bold statement with this. I will take Patrick Mahomes over Prime Brady. Okay. I mean, yeah, in terms of talent, yeah, absolutely. But I need to see, like, another – well, actually – yeah, I don't really – I don't have much of an argument to that. I mean, of course, like, I want to see more of Patrick performing well because, I mean, it's yeah. impossible to have him, like, perform, like, excellent every year. It's not It's not fair to assume that. But, yeah, I, I see in terms of talent, yeah, absolutely. All right, running back, which group do you feel like has the better running back stable? I got to go books. I like Rojo and my guy Leonard Fournette. I love Leonard Fournette. LSU for life, LSU Tigers. However, 
let's be honest, their run game was really inconsistent all year. Like, Rojo has been pretty much a non-factor all playoffs. Leonard Fournette is starting to kick it off, which is great. But, I mean, in terms of consistency, the Chiefs have gotten more out of Clyde. Daryl Williams has really come on. And, I mean, say we can say what we want about Le'Veon Bell. He's nowhere near, like, to the caliber of the player that, you know, he was projected and expected to be um, a couple years ago. But I do think that in terms of consistency, they've been more consistent. And so I would go Chiefs. Um, and we're talking just playoffs right now, then, yeah, I'd say Bucks. But overall this year, I would have to say Chiefs. See, I, yeah, that's the thing. I was basing mine off of playoffs. Oh, yeah. All right, wide receivers. Who has the better wide receiver group? I got to go Bucks. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Because the Chiefs, <clears throat> they have two good wide receivers and one great wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, the Bucks they have – Freaking Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Antonio Brown is your quote unquote third best receiver. And Scotty Miller has been making plays all season. Right. So, like, as a total group, I have to go with the Bucs. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, the Bucs essentially have three number one receivers. And even though Tyreek Hill is great in, in what he does, realistically, like, he's not a tr- he's not a great wide receiver. He's fast, he is a mismatch. But in terms of like the intangibles and the attributes that make a wide receiver great. Like we look at a Devontae Adams or Mike Evans or um, guys, Allen Robinson, guys like that. He has a very different skill set as opposed to them. So I would take the more refined group than just Tyreek, who's incredibly fast, and Miko, who's cool, but and Sammy Watkins, who's off the injured. All right, now tight end. This is where I go, Chiefs. I got to go with Travis Kelsey I know that the uh, Bucks have Gronk, who, I mean, if you can't say anything else about him, I mean, he's still big and he still has great chemistry with uh, Brady, Cameron Bray, who's really consistent as well. But I think that Travis Kelsey is pretty much the textbook definition of what a new age tight end is, one of those receiving guys, but can do everything for you who can be the centerpiece of your team. So I'm going to go uh, Chiefs on this one. You got to fight for your right. To party. I got to go Trav. Yeah, kill a Trav, man. Like, I, I love Grunk. I love his personality. He's actually one of the few people that played on the Patriots team that I liked. Mm-hmm. But Travis Kelsey is, like you said, he's the new age. In my opinion, he's like the new age Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates. Right. Um, Shannon Sharp. Like, he's the new age version of tight end. Like, especially a pre-receiving tight end. Right. He's the best version. Yeah, he's he's really he's freaking remarkable and consistent. I mean, he's been doing it since he got drafted in what twenty thirteen. All right, so let's talk offensive line between the two. I would have to say the Chiefs line, even without uh, Laurent, their guard um, who opted out of the year, they've had a really <laughs> consistent year. Uh, Mahomes hasn't taken too many hits, also because he's really uh he's really a while back there. He's quick to run around and all that, but they usually keep him clean. They set up nice rushing lanes when needed. So I would say the Chiefs line. I'm also going with you with the Chiefs, and like you said, I think <clears throat> it also helps that Patrick Mahomes is a mobile quarterback. Yeah, like it's been. It was a podcast I was listening to maybe two weeks ago, and it's one of them things where they said like one of the reasons that it's so hard to actually defend the Chiefs is like. It'll be a third nine. You will send everybody in coverage because if you if you spy somebody, Patrick Mahomes will pick apart that. But then he'll just take off and get the first down. And I think his mobility ties into 
the success of the offensive line because he can extend plays and he can make them look better. Agreed. All right, now let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line. Now, in this regard, I am going to go Bucks. JPP is having a great year. William Golston is really an underrated player who's been uh, having a good year. And Dominican Sue is continuing to ball out. So I'm going to say Bucks. Yeah, I got to go with the Bucks, too. They get consistent pressure. Now, linebackers, this was probably the easiest one for me. Got to go with the Bucks. Shaq Barrett is consistent. He's not putting up, what, 19 and a half sacks like mm-hmm. he did last year, but I mean, he's still having a great year. Devin White, who is a player who not only I love, but I mean, He's going to be a top five linebacker at least by the end of next year. Right. He literally can do everything. Levante David top has been a baller. Exactly. Been a baller forever. It's just he didn't get as much recognition because the Bucks weren't getting as much recognition. And let's be honest, the probably the biggest weakness on the Chiefs team is their linebacking group. So it's got to be Bucks easy. Yeah, it's a, it's a definite Bucks week for linebackers. All right, now moving on to cornerbacks. This one is a bit tougher because neither of them have tremendous cornerback groups. But I'll say this: I will take Sean Murphy Bunting, who is the uh, wide, I mean, cornerback for the Bucks, who's had a pick in each of their games this place this postseason over anybody that the Chiefs have. Even though Lejarius Sneed has been playing well, um, you also get some nice plays. I mean, Carlton Davis, he's pretty hit or miss. Um, Jamel Dean has been playing well overall, so I would take the uh, Bucks corners. Oh, slant boy. I got to go with the books. See, I <laughs> with Carlton Davis, like, I get what he's saying about Michael Thomas because, I mean, yeah, but then he got embarrassed all game against the Packers. So, it's like, you you can't talk too much. Like, you, you can't, yeah. But, you know, it's fine. He did what he needed to do against the against the uh, Saints. So, he, at least he can say he stopped slant, boy. All right, now, final position. Let's talk uh, safeties. Though I think Antoine Winfield is developing into a really, really good player, Tyron Matthew is the best player on the Chiefs defense. He's one of the best defensive players, period, in the league. I have to go with uh say with the Chiefs for safety. Yeah, I gotta go with the Chiefs also. And well, he's had a down year. I would I will probably say in my opinion it will be a tie between him and Chris Jones for the best player on the defensive side. But Chris Jones didn't have a Chris Jones, didn't, yeah, he didn't have that great of a year. I don't know, like I, w- I would say Tyron just because since he's stepped into that building, he's made that defense yeah. better. So yeah, sure. I, but yeah, I would, I would go uh, Tyron. All right, so X factors, aka players who are maybe not who you expect to have a big game, but you could see them doing it and helping turn the tide. So for the Chiefs, who's your X factor? For the Chiefs, my X factor is going to be. Honestly, I'm gonna say Chris Jones. Like I know he, <clears throat> I know he is more of a what you would consider a bigger name player. Mm-hmm. But like we just said, he didn't have the year that he typically had. He's had in the past. Mm-hmm. But I think the number one way that you can slow down Brady in a high power offense like the Bucks is you have to get pressure up the middle. Yeah. So because if you get pressure on the sides, Brady can just step up in the pocket and make a throw. He's done it a million times. But if you can get pressure coming up that good. You can slow down, Brady. Case in point, the Eagles Super Bowl. They got pressure up him up the middle, and it made things difficult. Of course, he was dealing with not as high-powered of an offense, but still it shows. You get pressure on Brady, it makes life a lot more difficult, forces him to make more mistakes. All right, so let's go. For me, for the Chiefs, I'm going to say LeJarrius Sneed, um, a guy who I talked about. I think he's really come on as a rookie corner. Um, Like I said, I think he's their best corner that they have right now. And I think that with this offense you have to find some sort of way to just 
I'm not even going to say shut them down because it's almost impossible to shut down this much talent, but just kind of con conceal them. Do your best to make sure like they're not embarrassing you over the top. More than likely, Snead is going to be matched up against Mike Evans because he's their number one corner. So I'm interested to see how that shakes out. But I feel like if LeJarius Snead is able to make some plays, um, create some turnovers, I think that that could really be a big boost for the defense. But all right, for the Bucks, who is your X Factor? I am going with wide receiver Scotty Miller because they have Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. And they're going to get a bulk of the attention. But Scotty Miller's made plays all season for the books. Case in point, the uh, Packers touchdown yes. before half, which was embarrassing. And we all know that Tom Brady has a special connection with his fellow Caucasian wide receivers. Sure does. So I feel like he's going to be the guy that's going to make – he's either going to make a number of plays or he's going to make one big play that can swing the tie for the books. I feel that. All right, for me, I'm going to go with another offensive player. I'm going to say Gronk. Like I said, Gronk it has a connection with Brady like no other. But, I mean, his numbers may not necessarily reflect that. However, Gronk is always a threat to go off. Gronk is always a threat to make a big play. And like we mentioned earlier, with the mismatch he would have over the uh, Chiefs linebackers or even Tyron Matthew just from a size perspective, I could see Gronk being a guy who Brady's looking for on those big third downs or in the red zone. All right, bold prediction for the Super Bowl. What you got? My bold prediction is if the Bucks win, Devin White's win MVP. He would deserve it. I mean, I wouldn't be upset. First linebacker to do it since, what, Kavon Miller? I mean, I wouldn't be mad, you know, have another thing to boast about for, you know, LSU. Um, But my bold prediction is going to be the Chiefs are going to go into halftime with a three-score lead. We talked about it. Everybody knows that the Tom Brady-led Super Bowl team start off games incredibly slow. It's been proven like they start off game slow and then pick it up in the second half to where you don't even remember that they were down. I can see that being the case with the Chiefs. I feel like Tyreek Hill is going to have another big half. I think he's going to really get himself going against Carlton Davis, and I think that that's going to help to separate them on the scoreboard. Um, but does it last? We shall see. So, Ethan, what is, who is your Super Bowl winner and your predicted score? The Chiefs are my Super Bowl winner, and I think it's going to be 30 to, like, 21. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Bucks 38-34. Reason I'm going Bucks is just because you can't count out Tom Brady, and I feel like he's been in this situation before. I think that, and for the first time in a long time, he's had a lot of weapons who can help him to reach where he wants to reach. And I think that the worst thing you can do is give a team ammunition. True. And the last time they played, it was a relatively close game. It started off ugly, but the Bucks got it together and were able to come back. And I think that they're going to find ways to make sure the same mistakes that happened the last time that they played do not happen again. And in doing so, I can see the Bucks pulling it out. I don't think it's going to be a great defensive game just because of the offenses that are playing. But I think I think Bucks pull it out, and we all have to suffer through. Brady has seven rings. Tragic. Yeah, that's the main reason why I don't want to. That would be the main reason why I don't want the Bucks to win. Yeah. But I mean, you know it. Like before Brady got there, I liked the Bucks. I was a Bucks fan. I was rooting for the Bucks. Of course, I want them to be successful with Jameis, but that didn't happen. But so, yeah, you know, I would love to see cats like Levante and Dev and Mike get a ring. You know, they, they've earned it. I will say this. If the Bucks are going to win, 
they're going to have to get in score either defensively or through special teams. Oh, absolutely. They're going to have to and create turnovers. Because if you give Chiefs possession after possession and like, give them opportunities to drive downfield, it's not going to work. It's, it's not going to work. Um, all right, but let's go ahead and talk the NBA. Ethan, what were your top three takeaways from this past week's action? Top three takeaways are COVID sucks, number yeah. one. Uh, number two, I'm in the gr- I was listening to another. I was listening to a podcast, and they brought up Adam Lafoe saying that Luka Doncic is the most whiniest player in the NBA. I agree. Luka is the biggest whiner now. That's number two. He's overtaking Bron. Bron, crazy. And number three, Bron's still amazing. Yeah. Like in. Year 18, 36 years old, dude, dude's still amazing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he's still doing it. And it's crazy because it's not just fans on the outside who were saying it's like play NBA players, like he does not have a chink in the armor. He does not necessarily have a weakness. And it's insane to think at how long he's been doing it and how consistently he's been doing it. Like all you can do is really admire it. All right, let's talk our Mamba players of the week. Starting with me out the East, I'm going to go Joel Embiid. 31 points in the first half in the last game against Portland. I mean, really just been on a tear. Last three games has dropped at least 34 points. I mean, has not had less than 30 points since January 14th. I mean, he's really just been balling out, and I think that Embiid is really showing that he is the driving force of the 76ers. Without him until the 76ers do not run, and I think that that's – that's a Mamba player to me, to showcase your worth to the team and continuously be that cat. So, I'm going to say Joel. Yeah, I'm going Joel also. And I think a lot of his success has to do with the change in coaching. Yeah, Doc Rivers is really setting up a team, setting up a scheme that works best for his ability. Because I think, I don't know if you might have listened to it, but I saw it on YouTube where it was a segment where he was on all the smoke with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, like, one of the things that he did when he first got there was he had to definitively tell everybody that Joel, Joel Embiid is our number one guy. And, like, he had to tell Joel that, like, bro, you're, the, you're our go-to guy. We're running the offense through you. And he was, like, he was just talking about, like, jo- um, when he first got there, Joel was talking about he doesn't like to be du- he didn't like to be double teamed. He hated it, mm-hmm. and he was saying like that's what we that's what you want. You want to be double. Right. Like he was talking about how like back in the day, Charles Barkley used to invite double teams, tell people come double me, come double me, and like because of that and because Doc instilling that confidence in him, you seeing it on the court. Like when he gets double, he's making the right reads out of the post as far as kicking the ball out. Or sometimes he just scores over the double team mm-hmm. because he's so massive. So I have to go with Joel Embiid. Most def. Uh, Western Mamba Player of the Year. We gotta Wait, go. In, I mean, probably week. You're right. Uh, my. Uh, we gotta go, Mister Consistent. At least I'm going, Mister Consistent. Mister Braun Braun just posted a triple double uh, on Friday on the fourth. My bad. And then just. Nearly a triple-double in the last four games. He's just been real close, consistently getting seven boards, and then getting real close to getting those double-digit assists. So, I got to go LeBron. Yeah, I got to go with LeBron also. Father time doesn't exist when it comes down to this man and his greatness. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. LeBron might be the greatest athlete ever as far as over a time period standpoint. Yeah, over consistency. I mean – yeah, consist like he's what gonna be thirty seven this year. He turns thirty seven in December. Yeah, so he's thirty six. 
been playing the game in the league professionally since he was, what, 18? So, yeah, I mean, he has a very strong argument. I mean, of course, I think the closest comparison people can give is, like, Tom Brady. But, I mean, as far as athleticism, we all know LeBron is blowing him out the water. So, yeah, I would – I would, I, I can't really argue with that one. Um, And then my rookie is going to go with LaMelo Ball. I think that uh, he's solidified himself as a starter – this past game just dropped 34 and 39 minutes. Game for that, 22. I mean, it just seems the more minutes he gets, the better he is becoming. And I think that he is soon going to just be stop being talked about as a really great scorer and a good player as a rookie, but just overall in terms of the Eastern Conference. So I'm going to go LaMelo. I'm also going LaMelo. And I remember um, LaVar Ball has said a lot of things that I don't like and I don't agree with. But I remember a while ago that he's saying when Lonzo got drafted, he was like, you know, that boy Lamelo gonna be the best out of the three. Yeah. And honestly, in his rookie year, he's showing that he probably is the best out of the three. Yeah. Like Lonzo is just now starting to look more consistent to where he's like he's consistently dropping like twenty points a game, and like Lamelo, he's just progressively getting better as he gets more playing time. Mm-hmm. So. I got to go LaMelo. I think that LaMelo is showing the potential that everybody expected Lonzo to show early, yeah. but LaMelo is doing it earlier. But speaking of Lonzo, Lonzo's name has been brought about a lot in terms of trade talks, the Pelicans. Um, I've heard different reports as far as, like, the Clippers. I've heard the um, – oh, my gosh, I was just looking at the Warriors. His name has been bounced around a lot ahead of the trade deadline, but nothing has been set in stone yet. But, Ethan, so – First off, who do you think should trade for Lonzel Ball? Uh, I'm honestly gonna go with the Clippers because I said I I said it after they lost in the bubble, and I think you agree with me. Mm-hmm. The thing that they lacked was a point guard that can get that can initiate their offense. Right, like Patrick Beverly, he's great. He's a defensive pest. He's he affects the game. But as far as, like, getting the offense set, getting um, Paul George and Kawhi the ball in a spot where they love to score from and make plays, they didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And, like, Reggie, Reggie Jackson, he's a, good, he's a good backup in my opinion. But he's more of a scoring point guard. He's right. not the guy that runs the offense. And you have Lou Will, who – Lou Will is really just a six-foot-two guard. So – but, like, I always feel like they needed that guy that can just – and Lon- and the thing is, like, Lonzo can set the offense. He kind of reminds me, like, of Jason Kidd when Jason Kidd was in the Mavericks. Right. I like, would agree with that. Like, when Jason Kidd was with the Mavericks, he ran the offense. He set up the- he set up plays. He set up other players. And he could knock down threes when he needed to mm-hmm. because he was a better three-point shooter than he was in his younger years when he was the up-and-down electrifying Point guard. Right. I think Lonzo could play that role for the Clippers where he set, he runs the offense, he sets them up, and then when they double-team Paul George, they double-team Kawhi, he can be there to knock down the shots. And he's shown he can knock down a three-point shot. Right. He's definitely worked on it in the last few years to where 
this season, he definitely looks more comfortable taking those shots. But, yeah, I would agree with you. I think that he would be a great fit for the Clippers because we did talk about that with regards to just more so of a facilitating uh, point guard. And I think that Lonzo will be a really good fit. I mean, we know how great Kawhi is. We know that Paul George has really been coming into his own. Definitely starting to uh, silence some of the doubters. And I think that putting Paul, I mean, not Paul, uh, Lonzo Ball there will really be a good fit. And I think that it will help take their offense to another level. And then also, it takes a lot of pressure off Alonzo because he's surrounded by guys who are already established, guys who have already proven themselves. And so, if anything, he kind of picked their brains about how to be better. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I think that the Clippers would be a good fit. Um, but speaking of, we kind of talked about guards and all that. And we also, I just mentioned the Warriors. But everybody loves Klay Thompson until they don't. After a Pistons and a Warriors game, Ronnie Magruder, a player for the Pistons, got into it with Warriors players. And um, while on the sideline, Klay Thompson was making comments, uh, one of which being, this dude might be out of the league soon. He's probably mad about that. Jokingly, and everybody thought it was a joke until they did it. One of the people did not think it was a joke was Big Baby, Glenn Davis, who said... <laughs> Saying shit like that, I see why he stay hurt. Karma, face palm emoji. To that, Clay Thompson responded, Dang, big baby, this what we all now. I can't wait till I see you on the court next year. I'm calling ISO every time. Probably get 40 and a quarter with big fella chasing me. So, on the outside looking at, first off, let's be honest, nobody's going to sign big baby. I was just about to, that was going to be my first thing that came in my mouth. Like, Clay, big baby not stepping foot in the NBA no more. Yeah, no. But... If he let's, but do you think that Clay was wrong for his comments about Magruder not being in, in the league? Honestly, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think the only only reason why I could find some issues with it is like that's like a fat slap in the face. Yeah. Like I kind of like because I heard that come in. I heard I visibly saw the video of Draymond and what Draymond said. Mm-hmm. The difference between the two is like Draymond was just talking cash money, like bro, you're not the tough guy of the team, so you need to chill out. Right. Like what Clay said is like, yeah, bro, you're not good enough to make money for your family. Yeah. And like it's a whole nother form of disrespect. So like I can understand it. Like in my opinion, I give I understand Clay. He gonna talk trash, but it's also like this, and it's also this thing that I look at too, bro. I hate to be that guy, but you're not on the court. Right. So you just shut your mouth. Yeah. Because you can only say so much. You're not yeah. the one on the court giving me buckets. So it's like, who cares? Because, like, if Rodney Magruder would have got pissed off and he would have came up to the stands and smacked Clay, then it would have been like, folks would have been like, this man just just went after an injured dude. Right. And you're like, we don't know what folks be saying on courts. Of course I can. Right. So. Yeah, I would also, like I said, I don't think it's too big of a deal. But, I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying about, like, you're not you're not playing. You're not, It's easy to talk from the outside. It's easy for us to say whatever we want to say about whoever, but we're not on the field. We're not on the court. We're not there. We don't know exactly what happened to make him so upset. And so, yeah, but I do see what you're saying about how it could be disrespectful, like you're saying, like, he can't feed his family, which, which sucks. But, I mean... Yeah. I personally, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that deep. I don't think that the next time they play the Pistons, if you know, I feel like Rodney McGrew is still gonna be elite. But you know what I mean? Like, he I, be, if anything, he's gonna be on the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, you technically you're still in the league. You might not win nothing, but you're still in the league. You're still getting more money than I'm making. So true. Go off. 
But yeah, I don't think it's gonna be something like if they see each other on the court, it's gonna it's be an issue. Like, yeah, I don't think it's gonna be that deep. I think it's just gonna be we're gonna move on, we're gonna play basketball, and we're gonna go on about our business. But all right, uh speaking about going on about our business, Jared Dudley, a cat who technically is not hurt, but very rarely sees the court. Um, had a lot to say about fellow L.A. star, um, Mr. Paul George. And uh, he said this about uh, playing the Clippers and George last season. He said, we think it's disrespectful for Paul George, who hasn't won, to put himself on the level of Braun and A.D. That's what motivates us. And in response to that, um, Paul George just said, God bless you, Jared Dudley. I, I respect that. And then in the next game after that happened, he dropped 36 points. So, Ethan, how far off do you think that – I won't even say LeBron because LeBron's, like, in a level of his own. Facts. How far off do you think Paul George is from a player like AD? It's still a significant gap because this is the thing. Like, Anthony Davis is a generational talent. Right. Like, he's in the echelon of, like, especially for his position, in my opinion, talent-wise – He's in the echelon of a Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan type of player. Right. Paul George, he's great, but like I he's past his prime. I won't say he's past his prime. I think he's still in his prime, but it's just like it's just like, you know, he he's he's like I can say I'll say this. I see I can see Anthony Davis being top five. Top ten at least, and I definitely will see Paul George being like top twenty. Like this, this like I can see Paul okay. George falling to like their fifteen, maybe fifteen through twenty range. But I see I could see AD going anywhere between top five to top ten. I think for me, I think the biggest distinction between the two is showing up when it matters. That too, yeah. like. Paul George is great in the regular season. He's going to get his points. But in the playoffs, we all know he falls off a cliff. And with regards to AD, I mean, let's be honest, prior to this past year, he really didn't have an opportunity to get that deep into the playoffs considering the team he played for. But when he played, there were a lot of instances where he made the mo- he made the plays. He was the most impactful player on the court. And I think that in his situation, it might – kind of negate just how great he is because he's playing with LeBron and all the attention goes to LeBron. But there are many instances last year in the playoffs where he had better games than LeBron. In the finals, Not it happened. the playoffs too. the whole season. Yeah, like, you could tell, like, and the thing is, he's a perfect complement to what LeBron likes to do. So I do think that what AD does, not only does it translate in the regular season, but it translates in the playoffs when it matters the most. And I think that until... AD can, I mean, AD, PG can really establish himself in the playoffs as a consistent threat. I don't really think that he'll be considered as, not just on the ADs of, but on that upper echelon of like the best of the best. We've seen Kawhi do it, which is why Kawhi is in that conversation, but Paul George does not have that on his resume. I also would say this, though. Jared Dudley, shut your mouth. You have no space to talk ever. Yeah. You, <laughs> you got less room to talk than Clay does. Like, Clay hurts. Like, bro, you... I have stepped on the basketball court more than you have doing this. Yeah. And I haven't... And I've been out because I've been hurt, too. So... Yeah. It's... It's... I understand you want to be, you know... You want to type up your teammates or whatever. I get that. You know, you're you're technically on the team. You haven't done much, but you're there. But come on, you get a free pass. 
Yeah, you know, you 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 play for the Lakers. Not many people can say that. Right. But all right, so let's go ahead and move on to a player that I know we both have in high regard, Mr. Bradley Beal, my guy, my dog. Everybody talks about Bradley Beal needs to be traded. Bradley Beal potentially to the Heat, to the Nets. To whoever the hell besides the Washington Wizards who have been terrible this year and not because of him. He has been balling. However, I think everybody seems to forget that Bradley Beal has said on many occasions, I don't want to leave the Wizards. I don't want to be traded. He wants to be a Wizard for life. And so, he he keeps banging the drum so... Do you think that he will ever be traded? And when I when I say ever, I don't mean like when I say ever, I think like as far as him making this the decision to want to be traded. Cause I feel like Washington would be willing to take him out of his misery to trade him. Mm-hmm. But do you think that Bradley Bill will ever change his mind? Or I won't say ever, like in recent in the next few years, while he's still putting playing at a high level, to want to be traded. I feel like it's going to happen this NBA offseason, being real with you. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to underperform again, be a bottom feeder in the East. And I think, like, this season specifically, I think he doesn't want to get traded because he doesn't want to go through the hassle of moving him himself and his family in the middle of a pandemic. Right. So I think that during the offseason, when they'll have, when he'll have the time to properly move himself and his family to his new team, I think that's when he might really legit come out to like he honestly and truly wants to get traded. And so, because of that being said, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon of Bill on Bill. That would be dope. So, that'd be cool. Memphis Grizzlies, I know y'all. I love y'all. I hope y'all listen. Go ahead, try to make a move. Offer them Dylan Brooks and some picks. I, I don't think so. I think that I think he's like I know everybody says they want to stay on the team forever. I mean, we've seen Paul George do it three different times, but I think Bradley Beal legitimately wants to stay with the Wizards. Like I think more so than anything, I think it's a pride thing. I want to, I think he wants to be one of those players who can say that he got his team from the bottom and made them a contender and made them a really good team. Like, I think he kind of wants to be like a Damian Lillard type in the sense of he makes his team a playoff contender and he stayed there through all the BS to do it. But I think the biggest problem is, like, there's no real timetable. It's not like the Wizards are, like, a piece or two away from making that happen. I think that it's more so just – they're so far off, which makes it, I think, more frustrating. Because, I mean, they asked him in a press conference, are you frustrating? He's like, it's the sky blue. Like, I totally can see his frustration, especially considering he keeps putting up great games and great numbers, but it's never really turning out and translating to wins. But I think that Bradley does want to stay with the Wizards, and I kind of hope he does for the soul. I know, like, as far as, like, a fan of his, I want him to be successful. And, you know, if he want to come continue the great traditions of shooting guards play for the Los Angeles Lakers, I would not complain. But in terms of, like, I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. Y'all know I'm Kobe Bryant's fans. But I have a, I have a respect for players who stay on one team their whole career. 
And I think that if Bradley was to do that and then get the team to the playoffs and build a winner like he wants to, I think that would be a great story. And I think that that would, I think it would mean more than just joining a winner. So I, I don't think he's going to go. I can, I feel you on it. I can respect it. But I look at it like this. Kobe Bryant staying on the Lakers was a completely different scenario versus Bradley Beal. Potentially, stay yeah, he was around. He was on a winner. No, I'm not going. No, this is what I. I won't even gonna bring up the winning aspect because Kobe had a bunch of years where he didn't. Oh, he yeah, had he a couple years where he didn't have where he didn't win, and he was honestly the one man show like Bradley Beal is now in Washington. But the thing of it is, the difference is like Kobe was losing games, but he still had the luster of being on the Los Angeles Lakers. There's it's, no luster for the Wizards. It's no luster. Like people, like honestly. It could be, you could look up tomorrow and it could be a position if you were, it could be like a Twitter poll that says, if you were to move to Washington Wizards outside of outside of Washington, where would it be? And not, and I put money on it. More than half of the thing would be Seattle. Yeah, Seattle definitely could use a professional so, team. like, the Los Angeles Lakers, like, even, like, case in point, like, even in their recent years of losing before they got LeBron and AD, they still were getting treated like one of the darlings of the NFL. I mean, the NBA because they are the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, they were getting primetime games over teams that were actually good because they're the Lakers. So, I can respect the whole understanding and, like, wanting for him to be loyal to his team. But, it's in my opinion, it's a difference in comparing what he, him and Kobe went through. I'm not necessarily comparing the two situations. I'm just saying, like, from watching Kobe, it's, okay. I've gotten appreciation for players like stay on one team forever. Like, Damian right. Lillard, if he was to stay with the Trailblazers forever, that would be really dope. I wanted Russ to stay with OKC forever. But, I mean, it didn't happen like that. It's so rare for players to just stay with one team, especially in this era where players are just shutting up and dribbling. If they're miserable and they want to leave, they can leave, which is totally respectable. Not blaming or following you for that. It's just it's it's rare to see it. And I, I would rather, like I said, I'd rather see Bradley Beal help turn the Wizards around and make them a winner as opposed to leaving and going a team, going to a team that's already a winner. Well, I, I think it more is Bill on Bill. I mean, that'd be dope, but no, <laughs> no, still no, even though I ain't going to lie to you. We're not, because we're not a winner, though. I mean, like, I want him to stay with the, why, okay, but then that base question, why go to another losing team? The Grizzlies aren't losing. But you know what I mean. Like, But the, the thing is, you know like, what I mean. This is the reason why I always, like, if I were to look at, like, say I'm Bradley Bill, or say, like, I'm a player in this situation, I would look at it like this. Why would I stay on the Washington Wizards that, honestly and truly, they seem like they don't have any direction on what they want this franchise to be? No, whatsoever. They they just traded away John Wall for Russell Westbrook, and, like, this is basically a, a even negative trade, in my opinion. And like they don't, they aren't even trying to attempt to surround me with like competent pieces. And then you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, who have <clears throat> a rising superstar in John Morant, a rising star when he's healthy in Jaron Jackson. I'm not gonna say superstar, but he's a rising star in my opinion. Like I can see him very well being a good second player, but a great third option on the championship winning team. And then you have, they have a culture established in Memphis. And, like, they have other complimentary pieces coming off the bench. <clears throat> like, if they got to give up um, BC, 
I feel like that'll be fine because now we have Xavier Tillman. He can yeah. fill into that role that BC left, and he also probably provide more of a defensive and some offense that him and like I think it it just I understand it also be a tough task because you're in the West. But I feel like you will have a better chance of stepping into the Memphis Grizzlies organization and making a making noise versus staying in Washington, especially with the way that the front office is being right now. I see what you're saying, but I just, like like I said, like I think that if he was gonna ask to be traded, I think he want to go to a team that was already like set up. Because you you talked about Dylan Brooks and like other pieces, but like let's be honest, if I'm trading you my best player. You gotta give me a little something. It's gonna have to be more than just Dylan Brooks. No, I mean it's gonna be. It's gonna probably be. You gonna have to give me something. It's gonna probably like a realistic. It might be like a couple players and some draft picks. One of the draft picks being a first round pick. It's gonna have to be like a key player. Now I'm not saying it gotta be Ja or anything, but it's it's gonna be somebody. Justice Winslow. Nah, we don't need more than Justice Winslow. But all right, so speaking of Bradley Beal, he was snubbed last year for the All-Star game, and now he leads all guards in the East in terms of votes. But should there even be an All-Star game this year? Because it seems that no player, or at least most of the ones that you come to watch, don't want it. LeBron called a slap in the face. Even Kawhi spoke out and said, we all know why we're playing it. There's money on the line, just putting money over health right now. James Harden doesn't want it. Giannis doesn't want it. Should there be an all-star game this year? I say no because it's no point. I agree. I say no, it's no point. And it's like the NBA is doing all this stuff about um, contact tracing, safety protocols, i.e. Kevin Durant being pulled out of the middle of a game last night uh-huh. that he played in. Then you miraculously told him he and has to come play back. No more. Yeah, you can't play no more. Like, And then he's going to be out for some games now. Yeah, like. If y'all are so concerned about these safety protocols why and all of these, an why are you having an all-star game? Not to mention, why are you having an all-star game without fans? Who why, cares? Why are you having an all-star game without fans in Atlanta? Right. Like, one of the hotbeds for any type of disease being real. Yeah. So, it's like... It I makes no sense. It makes no sense. I understand why, like Kawhi said, I know he's basically a money ploy. Because the NBA, they aren't getting revenue that they normally get from, like, um... From having a uh, normal season with fan attendance. Concession, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so it's like you got to try to make make up for it some type of way. And like having an All-Star game, you might get a bunch of like views and things that can get you money from companies. But it's like, bro, it's no point. Yeah, I don't think it's a point either. Like the only benefit there will be is like <laughs> I would see Bradley be a little bit. But other than that, like it's, it's no point. But all right, let's make game predictions for tonight, February 6th. Um, starting with the game that's on right now, the Portland Trailblazers versus the New York Knicks. Knicks are up 57-51 at the half. I think Trailblazers pull it off and come back. Yeah, I'm going to pull them. Nuggets versus Kings, I got Nuggets. Me too. Bulls versus Magic, I got Bulls. I got Magic. The Bulls find a way to lose games, apparently. That is a fact. Nets versus 76ers. I got 76ers. Yeah, I don't see nobody on their team stopping Joel Embiid. Nope. Uh, Raptors versus Hawks. I got Raptors. I got Hawks. Uh, Timberwolves versus the Thunder. I got Thunder. Yeah. Spurs versus Rockets. I'm going to go Spurs. I got Rockets. Bucks versus Cavs. I got Bucks. 
You said Bucks, Cavs. Mm-hmm. I got Bucks. Warriors versus the Mavericks. I'm going to go Warriors. I'm going Warriors, too. Grizzlies versus Pelicans. I'm going to go Pelicans. Actually, not a lot. I definitely make Grizzlies. I got Grizzlies. I'm going Grizzlies. All right, and then the Detroit Pistons versus the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going Lakers. Yeah, I'm going L.A. also. All right, welcome into the show, the 55-minute, 32-second man, a.k.a. the Green Giant, a.k.a. Brother Keezy. Hi, how are you? I don't want to go work later today. I feel that. I'm going to go because I need money. Uh-huh. Capitalistic society. You ready to talk some rumbling royals? Yeah. Which was actually a great pay-per-view. Here's what happened. On the pre-show, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax benefit from a Lacey and Ric Flair distraction to regain the Women's Tag Team Championships. Drew McIntyre beats a clearly old, tired man to retain his title because, thank God, Sasha Banks retains after making Carmella tap. After a hell of a performance and entering at number three, Bianca Belair is officially the Women's Royal Rumble winner, and I don't want to see that stupid picture where it looks like her feet hit the ground. If you watch the video, clearly her feet did not touch the ground, so shut up. Um, After attempted vehicular homicide, Roman Reigns is the last man standing and retains his universal title, and Edge outlasts 29 other superstars and wins the Royal Rumble for the first time in 10 years. Shut up, 11. You know what I meant. I'm sad. <laughs> Keezy wins the night. Congratulations. Yeah. But it was close. I was so close. If it would have ended in Seth and Braun and Seth won, I would have won. But it's fine. Tiebreakers. This is why you almost have them. So, uh, Keezy, what was your favorite match? Don't go right. My favorite match of the night was, um, it was the Women's Rumble. So, because the returns and, like, Bianca's performance. Oh, man. And it's, like, the whole celebration thing is, like, added, like, was the icing on the cake there. I'm like, yeah. Because this is, like, I, I watched her chronicle, like, a, a couple days before it just added to it. Like, yep. It's you know. amazing. Mm-hmm. Ethan, have you watched her chronicle? Do you still have the network? I have it, but I haven't used it in, like, three months. You should watch her chronicle. If you don't watch it for nothing else, just watch her chronicle. It's real beautiful. Like, it's a great 29 minutes and, what, 33 seconds. It's really good. Um, yeah, mine is also the Women's Royal Rumble just because, by God, it was great. Not to mention Bianca winning. That's always great. But, I mean, we had, like you said, great returns. Mickey James had a really good performance. It was great to see Victoria come back. Yeah, you saw your friend Jillian. Honestly, that was my favorite return just because I was so <laughs> happy to hear her sing. And her and Billy Kay were freaking great. Billy, Billy Kay. Billy Kay is low-key the winner of the night just because she was so great. Rhea Ripley had a strong performance. I mean, just like every level of it, it was like a near-perfect Royal Rumble match. And it was just, it was great. Oh, yeah. And it had some of the best moments of the entire night. Because I don't, yeah, I don't have it written down, so I can say it. When Alexa Bliss was about to turn and Rhea was like, no. Nope. Uh, we ain't fair. Let's get Not out. to mention when she almost killed Dakota Kai and Dana Brooks. So Rhea was just kind of. More so Dana because, like, that. That's her fault. Our, like, if y'all were to our reaction to, like, her spine and neck, like. It was oh, her fault. Are you dead? I mean, nobody <laughs> told her to. Told her to try her. Like, Dana, we, we, we understand that you're improving, but this is real. <laughs> like, we get it, but this is real. <laughs> exactly. You can't do that. My favorite moment, though, came in this match. Seeing, I love seeing black women working together. 
Naomi and Bianca Bella are working to make sure neither of them got eliminated. Teamwork make the dream work. They both get in the ring with a whole bunch of upper body strength and immediately she strong hair. Some strong hair. I'm not gonna lie. This is how you know Bianca does her own hair because if it, the glam squad backstage did her braid, that mug would have tore off like four different I, times. I ain't gonna lie. Don't judge me for nothing. Like, the yamage? Nah, I ain't gonna go there. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna stick. I'm sticking with the hair. It was a lot of yamage because mm -hmm. I saw the clip. But yeah, it was, yeah, whatever we Bianca used for that photo is the strongest. She got this joint from the exclusive shop. I will say this: like I, I love that. I love that stage. Like also, like now. The, the, they are getting kind of like lax with that with that rule. Like I know both had to touch for it. Damn, you did get eliminated though. But I'm saying. You still playing playing towards the rules. My feet, feet don't have to touch the rules. I didn't see none. Her feet didn't touch the ground. That's all I care about. <laughs> she didn't get eliminated. But yeah, that was my favorite moment. What was yours? This means me being like the, the wrestling nerd person here. Uh, Bobby Lash and Big E and like what they did in the Rumble. Like, I really want to see that match now. <laughs> big, because big like battle of big black sweaty men. Like, like the size we have to be online. This I know one of you U.S. champ. You know. Don't really defend it that much, and when you other person I see champ, you just defend, you just defend it last night. But um, I want to see that match. Crazy, like Big E says, big meaty men slapping meat. It's crazy because we almost could have saw that Survivor Series. We were just like, <laughs> that's like <laughs> Big E said. <laughs> Think about your five star classics. Wow. Think about your thirty minute matches. I don't want to see big meaty men slapping meat. Anyway, <laughs> increase and decrease stock. Who you got? I would say decrease stock was not only like Oscar <laughs> because like doing that whole tag team starting, nothing was about her. The women's championship was an afterthought. Really like mean? even during the Rumble, they barely mentioned the Raw Women's Champion. <laughs> yeah, it's like everything was focused on like Charlotte, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, and Lacey Evans. Yeah, like. Lana was nowhere even. She was not even thought of. I, I, I said, Steph not watched that tag, the tag title match. It was fine. Like, it's just like she's an afterthought here. It's like, like unfortunately, every time Oscar wins a main um, Raw SmackDown championship, they don't know how to book her. Duh. And I would say increased stock. I'm gonna say Edge. Well, his stock was already high in the first place. He had the highest stock. Yeah, he's just he came out number one. He's the well, third. He came out number one. Yeah. Yep. Him I'm watching Randy it now. <laughs> oh my god. Came out number one. Outlasted 29 other men, and you know, 11 years to the date, won the rumble. It's just poetic at that, you know. Oh, he's the third man to do it. Besides Shawn Michaels and Vacant. some some guy. Vacant. Yeah, vacant. He 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 holds a lot of records, you know. Crazy. I mean, must be nice. Uh, you pretty much you know copied my homework. I also said Edge for increased stock, and um, for as far as decreased stock, yeah, I also have Oscar just because it's like no direction now. She doesn't have. How rare is it to where you're a technical women's champion, world champion, and the most relevant title you have is a tag title? She lost her storyline. Like, she lost her reason for being on TV. It's, it's, it's not even her fault. It's like. They, yeah. Raw needs more women on this show. Raw, not even more women. They need to book the women that they have better. They're like every woman on Raw is like in some sort of tag team for some reason. And y'all don't even care about tag teams, so shut up. 
But I mean, even with the roster they have now, there are other matches I'd be interested in seeing. But yeah, as, let's talk booking decisions. I really don't have many. The only one I would have had is I would, I guess, use this use the Royal Rumble to bring back more NXT stars for the men's Royal Rumble because it really weren't wasn't that many. Like besides, I guess Damian Priest who ended up being on Raw the next night. Like there wasn't many NXT folks, which I mean, it's fine. But it's like I just think it would have been cool for like more exposure. I mean, it's not like they're not there. So yeah, that's my only one. Yeah, I don't really have one. Um, it's not even, it's not even a booking decision. It's a Kevin Dunn decision. And they just like, get the eliminations correct. Because, like, for storyline reasons, you know, Bianca eliminated Bailey. Like, hey, storyline right there. You see that? I mean, Kevin? it was another elimination taking. I can't really fault. Because I can. it's like, nobody told you to have two eliminations at the same time. Gosh. Who told them you eliminate at the same time? I mean. I still blame Kevin. He did the same thing. Well, blame <laughs> Bailey. She should have held off like 30 more seconds. <laughs> Hey. I mean, I'm just saying. Look, the white person won. I'm just, I still blame Kevin. It's like, it definitely sounds like you said the white person won. I'm like, she's definitely not that. I said, right. Don't do that. It might might have been Kevin's fault, because, but you're the only person we know in the truck, so I blame you. Damn it, Kevin. <laughs> um, Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I feel like it really wasn't much that I would have changed. Like, everything is yeah. fine. Yeah, like, the match is fine. Like, hey, Katie, you, huh? No more Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I, I got scared a few times. I'm like, please, you better kick out. <laughs> he get because the referee hand got way too close to that mat for my liking. And also, Kevin, you might want to try to dodge the golf cart next time. No, speaking you know. of, <laughs> just you know, just maybe you brought that up because that goes into the WTF moments in show grades. My WTF moment: Roman Reigns hitting Kevin Owens with a golf cart. Like how often, you know, you just mind your business yeah. and bam. Like, I, I, I just escaped from being thrown from like the platform through like two tables. Like, okay, I escaped. No, you did. You know, I'm not mad at it. It was funny. I just I, I was wasn't like, prepared. Oh, like, huh? And it was great. You were really through it. Huh? How are you not dead? <laughs> Why are you worried about it? Then again, vehicular homicide in WWE is like we see it a lot. You know. Yeah, this is the first time recently. It's been a while. Yeah, you know. Keeping things fresh. At least it's not the NXT parking lot. Now, if this was the NXT parking lot, then he probably would have died. He would have got hit by, like, a Hummer. He wasn't going to get hit with just a golf. No, a Hummer limo. He was going to roll all across the top, you know. You're right. But, it's my turn. Because we do show grades, and I was going. Gosh. That was my show grade, and my grade was an A+. I was telling Ethan before the show, I like this year's Royal Rumble more than any main roster quote-unquote pay-per-view that happened last year. It was really great. So, yeah, this was mine. Like, start to finish, the show was A+. Except for the pre-show, because I didn't watch it. But, you know, um, just start to finish, like, I was uh, I was hooked. Even the um, Goldberg and Drew match, like, man, cause I just wanted Drew to win because, no. I think, <laughs> I think we all wanted Drew to win. I, I didn't even watch it and I wanted Drew to win. Yeah, because <laughs> like, if I would have had to hear, like, scroll through Facebook and Twitter and saw the Goldberg win again, I would have probably. Like, I think, the, I think, like, the world would explode. Just from, like, wrestling fans. Like, no. <laughs> but, um, I would say my WTF moment was basically just the show being an A plus like that because like it was an overall good show like usually we have like one thing we can pick apart from it it's like I we have nothing to pick apart from it yeah it was a it was a very good show and also so you can like returns and stuff yeah I almost cried when I saw Christian because he's he's one of my one of my most underrated wrestlers like 
And you back on a part-time schedule too, like. Speaking so, up, I'm sorry. What? I was gonna say, so you know what that means? Edge, Edge versus Christian. I'm with it. I'm not mad at it. They haven't had many matches against each other either. Mm-hmm. Or they might let them reform the. Well, Edge, Edge wants them to get back together. Yeah, he won't. He might reform the team. Yeah, I think Edge like has Good. three more years on this deal, and I think Christian like he's back on a, on a part time schedule, so like he wants like call his career like when he. The way he wants to, because both of them have to retire at early stages because of injuries. One because concussions, one because neck. And like those head injuries, they they had especially since ASP have neck issues like early two thousands. So I got a question. Mm-hmm. Yes, since Edge is back and supposedly can semi full time, which of the three champions which I want to see in the face? We're gonna get to that. I'm happy you brought that up. Because it's now a game of fantasy booking. Now we can, this is squashing conventional wisdom and who we, in our wrestling brains, think that our Royal Rumble winners are going to pick. But instead, we're going to say, who would be the best match? Considering the champions right now, what is best for business? Let's start off with Edge between Drew Roman and Finn Balor. It's so obvious. Ethan, who, who's your pick? Finn Balor. Ooh, that's a, that's a good nice. one, too. And I actually, I know this probably won't happen, but I wouldn't mind somehow seeing if an angle of a triple threat between him, Finn, and Pete. That'd be cool. Edge might die, I'm, but I'm, I mean. Like, Finn, he's, he's off from breaking jaws, and, and Pete, he's known to break bodies. Specifically fingers and arms. <laughs> All right, what about you, Kiki? Only for, like, the storyline aspects of it, Roman. Yeah. So, be, I, I just want to hear the promos. Roman's promos have gotten so much better. Like, especially especially yesterday on SmackDown. Like, I wouldn't know. It's really good. Okay. He, he oh, kind of, he lost I will, it. I will say this. So I watched the promos that Edge cut, mm-hmm. and I would definitely say that he cut some of the best promos I've seen when I watched wrestling for like the from like the past couple years, and he just came back basically. Fair. Like he's like he's still he still got the the right. actual, like the the, the the knowledge of cutting a, a great promo. Hmm. Like even well, like start. even like last year without the crowd, like damn, I just feel, I feel every emotion in this. You got to think about it too. His acting career probably helped him. With yeah, that too. too. Shout out, Vikings. It's a good show. <laughs> Haven't watched it, man. I might have to take a look at it eventually. But uh, just like so, so the promo aspects of it, because like, especially like if got if there was a glimpse of what we saw on SmackDown, like it just imagine like a full feel between these two. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah, I'm also gonna say I'm gonna say Roman, but I feel like that might end Edge's career. I just want to see it because Roman is like, he's kind of like insane, you know? I, I hate to be that, but it's like in the best possible way. Okay, just making sure you finish that statement. Like in the best possible way. Like, got spies. like he's, he's definitely, in my opinion, the most captivating character right now. And it's like, and we, Keezy and I talked about it after SmackDown went off. Like I'm excited to see him go up against not only like, other people other than Kevin Owens, but like established people like Edge to showcase his dominance. He says he's the main event of WrestleMania. He's the tribal chief. You will respect him. And I feel like what better way to push 
the narrative of the tribal chief and just how insane mafia boss he is than to go up against Edge. So uh, storyline-wise, I think that's the best story. But now let's move on to Miss Bianca. In terms of match quality, I feel like, not feel like, I think that, not think. I know. <laughs> Sasha would have the best match. But in terms of overall story, I want it to be EO. If not for any reason. Wait, who are the three champions? I don't know. Asta, EO, and Sasha. Yeah. And I would say EO because after all that time in NXT, she got so close. So close. But it didn't happen. And I feel like going back to NXT, she can go back and say, I was the EST here too, and I don't want y'all to forget. And you come back and you destroy, not necessarily destroy, but you know what I mean? You beat the champion and showcase why you were dominant there, but also kind of do a thing where you are the NXT champion, but you kind of pull a double duty because if you can beat women on NXT and continue what you're doing on SmackDown, that's dominance right there. Showcase you're the EST of not just the WWE or not just the NXT, but everywhere. You are truly the EST. And I think that would be really dope. So I would say from storyline-wise, I'm going to say Ia. I would say, wait, match-wise, I'd say Sasha. But, like, storyline-wise, like, just to prove that she is the best and most dominant person, I would say Asuka. Because, like, there's just, like, a match, like, a pure, pure like, strength and, like, uh, a jewelry-wise. Like, I, was, I would love to see these two, like, go at it. And, like... I don't think they'd be able to get it right, though. Just from what I know about how they do Oscar and yeah. Bianca. But, like, they, like, I understand that, but also, they have an easy way out. Like, hey, Rumble winner, champion. That's simple storytelling right there. Like, they, yes, they have gotten it wrong plenty of times. But like this is like the one time like it's it's that simple, like you 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 can even prolong this because like look at previous winners like they didn't they didn't reveal like I think um Oscar did this she waited till last she waited till the last pay per view before Mania before she chose her um main opponent when and she chose Charlotte like she just popped up like choosing you which I mean <laughs> thank God she did because honestly her and Alexa Bliss just wouldn't have hit the same like. I love, it. I love that everyone just assumed, oh, she's going to face no. I didn't. How y'all going to pick for me? Like, yeah. it, it, like, something that simple, like. Wrestling fans, <laughs> they know better than I. Don't you know? It's, like, it's something that simple, like. It's that simple, like. Rumble winner, champion, book it. <laughs> nah. Well, I'm going completely opposite from both of you. I'm going for the culture. I would love to see two black women have a. Championship match at WrestleMania, so I'm going. And main event tonight, you yes. know, I would love that Saturday. Just book it, thank you. Just imagine the match, and like, and the promo um battles between these two, like. I thought SmackDown was good. Now just wait, just 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 wait. Like if we have if we um uh, she actually picks Sasha. I need Sasha to go heal though. That has to happen like yesterday. But thank you, because I ain't gonna lie. Like I don't face Sasha's cool or whatever, but no, no. heal Sasha's. From what I remember from Faye Sasha, it was annoying. Heel Sasha's that dog. Like, ruthless, the boss, the boss versus the EST. I mean, come on. It's, in terms of realism, that's the one I want to see, but if I was booking it. But all right, Ethan, let's play a game. Okay. Well, there were three big returns at the Royal Rumble. Seth Rollins, Carlito, and Christian. Yeah. Seth would be considered a He'd he been gone for a while. Uh, uh, gone for like two months, you know? He was uh, gone for a minute. And he's supposed to be coming back next week. It's, it's he had a baby. 
So, let's play a game. Okay. You, we each are going to pick one of the superstars and book their returns to weekly shows. So, Ethan, who you want? I want Christian. Okay. I mean, not Christian. I want Carlito. All right. I know you want Christian. I did want Christian, but I'll take Seth. No, you got Christian. I'll take oh, Seth. All right, all right, wait a minute. Oh, you told me to pick. I picked Seth. All right. Anyway, so here's how I'll book Seth coming back. <laughs> I want to see. So here's how we're gonna we're gonna paint the scene, right? I'm gonna do it quick. Next week, you open the show. Kevin Owens looking big and bad. All of a sudden, he just gets jumped out of nowhere, and it's just like, who jumped Kevin? And then everyone, of course, is going to assume it's probably Roman or Jay. Might even be Paul Heyman because he's from New York. I'll beat your ass. But comes to find out that was hilarious. Did you hear that? Did you? That was awesome. <laughs> it was. It was really funny. Um, but yeah, and then come to find out, it becomes a yeah, battle of the whodunits. Roman's like, I don't have to sneak up and wear a mask to attack somebody. If I want to beat you, I'll beat you. And it was like Jay didn't have to do it either. So we're leading up to it. We're leading up to it. And then by Elimination Chamber, don't ask me how, because I didn't think that far ahead. It real, we find out it's Seth freaking Rollins, the Messiah. <laughs> and he tells everyone the reason why he attacked Kevin Owens is because Kevin Owens believed that he was a god. He would not stand down, but he has to realize that there is only one true Messiah up in this company, and it's Seth. And this real Messiah. Is stronger than the tribal chief. Roman hears this. Roman's like, okay, CrossFit Jesus. This is what we're not going to do. And then boom, set up for mania. And keep Ron, I mean, keep Seth as a heel. And Kevin Owens, low-key, kind of keep him off TV till after mania. Because honestly, how are you not dead yet? Your turn. <clears throat> awesome. I saw a few exactly last year as well. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Keep him Go ahead, go. I ain't gonna lie, I did not prepare for any of this, by the way. It's your fault. I never do, actually. Just wing it. Um, for my, for Christian's return, like, I would actually just keep it simple because, like, you also have to uh, realize, like, already coming back from con concussions, like, you know, you know, some people might want to call Russian nowadays soft, <laughs> Mark. Um, Adam said that everybody's taking the wrong, like, oh, she's taking out contact. I think Mark. Adam said that. Which Adam? Uh, Copeland. Edge. Yeah, Seth, you got a screwy neck work. That's where you step. <clears throat> Mark meant what he said. Um, honestly, um, with with Christian, I literally just keep it simple. Um, of course, you got um already set in like storyline, like p potentially with Edge, like after Mania, but like leading up to it. Um, I would honestly give him something to um, do like in the upper mid card. I wouldn't have him feel in like directly with the hurt basins because honestly, last year would eat him alive. Um, I would give him like like some good names to work in and build around. Like even like losses and wins. Like he's like being in the ring with uh, some of the younger pairs and actually get some recognition on their names. Someone like. Um, Mustafa Ali, like he's doing all of this because, like, 
Um, he's been saying like uh, he's tired of all the um old legends coming back and taking up their spots. Like that's a like this is Christian we're talking about here, and he can feel the same way towards Christian. He has a whole group behind him, but he feel like he can do it on his own. Like just like the match quality, like especially with Christian's like in ring prowess, like he can make Mustafa um look ten times better than he already is. Um, so basically, me I just like have Christian just you know. Build up some of the other talent before you like do some like really extravagant with your return, especially like being on a part time because she's not gonna be on TV probably that much anyway. Until like that's needed for like storyline reasons why I like build someone else up. So like keep it simple, short, sweet, to the point. So my my hinges on this question: Are the new day in the field with anybody right now? No. Perfect. Yes. All right. So, how is going to how is going to start is it's going to be Carlito coming back, whether it be SmackDown or Raw. What show is new now? Raw. So it'll be on Raw. It will be a episode of Carlito's Cabana. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. And he will <clears throat> obviously have the new day will be his guest. And then, at the end, he will obviously spin the face of people who don't want to be cool. But he will spin the face of Big E. And then, Primo and Epico return. Hmm. What? Big E's on SmackDown. Damn it, I forgot. Well, <laughs> that makes it even easier. Yeah. He will spin the face of Kofi, because Kofi... History there as well. Yeah. yeah he will spin the face of Kofi. And then, since... It's just those two. Primo will return, and then they will jump Xavier Woods and Kofi, and then they set up a feed. Nice. I like that. Those are Primo and Carlito was an un, like underutilized tag team back in the day. An underutilized tag team. I mean, tags are underutilized in general. So exactly. All right. Now, before we close out the show. We talked a lot about Rumble, but we got another pay-per-view that's coming up. Next Sunday, it is NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. Because who said, let's who said let's compare and combine Vengeance and Judgment Day to make it one thing? But so far, here's the card we got so far. I'm still behind, so I can't really take the story behind most of these, but I'm here and I'm ready. NXT Championship match, Finny Boy Balor versus Peter Dude. NXT uh, North American Championship, Johnny Gargano versus Kushida. Ooh. NXT Women's Championship, Io Shirai versus Mercedes Martinez versus Tony Storm, which is going to be a banger. The Dusty Road Women's uh, Final, uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus either Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell or Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. And the Men's Dusty Road Tag Team Classic, MSK or Legado del Fantasma versus the Grizzled Young Veterans or Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. So, guys... How do you like it? Are we excited for the card? I am, just because NXT TakeOver, and I love me a good TakeOver. I am, just because of Finn and Pete Dunne. Yeah, that's going to be such a good match. <clears throat> I'm excited. See, I see a lot of matches that's going to hurt. Man, because Kushida, he's just going to he's gonna dismantle your arm because that's what he does. Finn and Pete, let's... Arms overrated. Finn and Pete, they're just going to kill each other just for the hell of it. <laughs> you don't? You right. I love me some good. I love me a good dusty classic. You know, I do like the dusty classic. I wouldn't mean. I don't know any of the tag teams, but I like the dusty classic. Wow, it's almost like tag team wrestling. 
means something or something. It's good. Woofa. Or something. Mm. You know. But what do we know? We just we just watched the show. Paul. But yeah. And like Tony, Mercedes, and um and Eo. Come on. Look 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 at the look at the three names I just named. If that's not main eventing, I know Kev, I mean Pete and Finn is gonna be a great match, but I feel like this is a triple threat match worthy of main eventing. No, because EO's barely be on TV. <laughs> I don't care. In terms of the talent of the women, I Th- think that's it should main true, event. It's not going to main event, but I think it should. Nah. Hey, I said I think. I didn't ask you about your gosh darn opinion. Look here, woman. What, man? This NXT, they don't main event sometimes. I think that's your main event. I'm just saying from my perspective. I mean, either way, it's going to be a great match. But I think that... What and plus, what better way to get more eyes on the NXT Women's Championship by May making it the main event? Oh, Stress how important. Why, why has the EO be on TV? Trips and you book NXT. <laughs> that's that's just that's just a random like. Why hasn't she been on TV? I think mainly because lately it's been so so many tag teams. So I think mad at it, but they say it's been making time for the men. I mean, but the men are doing stuff in tag teams too. And plus, she's not a part of the way, and the way is the most important thing going on. Which I'm you know. Anyway. I still hate that name, though. I, I'm, I'm good with it. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a good match. So, fellas, who do you think is going to be in the finals? Candice LeRae and uh, Indy Harwell or Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon? Who you got? Probably Shotzi and Ember. Ember. Only because, like, we need a face tag team because I, I still have – I I still am picking, like, Dakota and Raquel to win it no, all. I didn't ask you all that. You were – mm, nope, you're early. You're a week early. Shame the, they have the match like next week on NXT TV to determine who's going to take over. No, they're already like in it. It's between Candice LeRae oh. and yeah, that's why I was asking who you think damn, between I, those damn, two. I literally just saw the match. Damn, I forgot about that fast. Gosh. Anyway, but yeah, I'm gonna. I think it's gonna be Ember, but I'd rather see Candice and Indy because I'm interested to see like in pushing the strength yeah. of the way. All right, for the men's side. And I, and I like I like watching indie wrestling. See right. It's, it's, it's I, saw, I saw what you did there. Mm-hmm. All right, MSK or Legado del Fantasma. I think MSK, FTW, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. I don't with that with that one. I'm not sure because, yeah, I'm not sure. I know Bishop they're doing some on um, 205 Live and NXT TV with um, Lucha House Party. I can actually call by the actual name now because I actually win matches. Shocking. I know it hurts you to do that. Mm-hmm. But, um... I'm not not sure. Like they they can go either way, but I can also see MSK winning because like brand new tag team on the scene, and like you get a future tag team title, but you get only Lorcan and Damian Birch. Grizzle Young Vets or Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. You should know speaking up. I know. Yeah. I'm gonna go Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, if not for any other reason, but Al. And they, they, you know they love to throw together tag teams in these moments. I mean they. Mainly because they had like 16 tags in for the men, like good four, well, now five of them were thrown together. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Fellas, is there anything you'd like to say before we close this bad boy out? Tune in tonight, NPC Gang, you know. Uh, you got some you got some good wrestling going on between Main Team and Bradley, which is no very special guest referee. It's me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the ref. And I provided some great commentary as well. I I did the camera work. Yep. I got to hit a person with the bat. And guess what? There were hopefully was there any was there any crack in here? Too much. 
Uh, we we try we try to get a, a, a little as we could, but you know. Did you really? Sometimes. Did you really? I mean, considering the participants. Oh yeah, Ethan, you still need to beat up Keezy in a match because Keezy been talking yeah. mad dirt. <clears throat> I was gonna say yeah, it's coming soon. This green haired lad is going to get his arse kicked. Wow, a lot of disrespect here. A lot of disrespect. You know what? I accept your challenge. You know, it's not even a challenge. It's a, it's a promise. I don't know about that. I mean, we we've accepted these and came to these terms a long we time. We did, ago. you know. Th- things have come up, but you know, we, we yeah, got yeah. we got time now. We got time. We got time, you know. No, no. no when, when you're free, I'm free. We we can get we can get this done anytime. Sounds good to me. We can we can film it all. Everything. It's, it's Sounds good. I do have a camera. Fantastic, you know. Um, all I'm gonna say before we uh close out this show is um. With regards to the Super Bowl, I don't care who wins because either way, an LSU Tiger wins, and I can still brag about it. With regards to the Super Bowl, no <laughs> screw Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, yeah, felt by millions and millions around the world. But thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.